I kind of, I like stability. <laughs> I've always liked a degree of stability, and they were not about that. <laughs> they moved from, like, Jamaica to England when they were in their teens. When they're in their 20s with, like, two kids, they moved from England to New York. Then they get another kid, and then they move from New York to Atlanta. I'm just like, why are y'all moving so much? Just, like, <laughs> stay Stay one place. Now as like someone in their 40s, I can be like, oh, well, they shouldn't have done X, Y, and Z. But I'm like, they were young. They were really young. Mm. And I couldn't think about having two kids moving to New York and trying to find, like with limited funds, trying to find a job and like take care of two kids. I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't want to do that now. Yeah. And they did it when they were in their like mid 20s. Yeah. So I try to keep remembering that whenever they annoy me. <laughs> it, I think the thing was, I was a little bit of an annoying brother. Yeah, you sat on my head. <laughs> when we were still in New York, I was young. I don't remember that, but I'm not saying it didn't happen. I remember because it was my head. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you do. Hello, cousin. Hello, welcome to Cuzzo Convos. I'm Cuzzo Mandy. This is Cuzzo Nate. And today we have a special guest, another cousin, although he's not my cousin. <laughs> my cousin. brother. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome, Gavin, to the show. Hey, y'all. Thanks for having me on. We love that you're on. This is the second cousin slash sibling to be on the show. And in the same theme that we had last time, the first time we had Danny and she was the only girl. And this time we have Gavin and he was the only boy. He's the only boy in our family. So we're going to be able to pick his brain about what his experience was like. And I think it'll be interesting. You have a lot of life experience, brother. (laughs) Is that a nice way of saying I'm old? Yeah, right? <laughs> that's, that's not quite what I was trying to say, but I definitely think with more life, you have more life. You have more things that you've been through. I definitely have more life than you, Amanda. <laughs> Edit. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. We had mom on. She well, we didn't have her on, but she did the same thing. I'm sure. I'm sure she did that constantly. Mm. She was just an accidental guest. That um, people enjoyed. Oh, okay. There you go. There you go, Amanda. <laughs> oh, he's making it real hard for you. <laughs> so it's much to get <laughs> Um, yeah. So, in talking about family and being the only child, I, before we slide into descendant discourse, I am going to just shout out a listener who did appreciate having. Um, one of my family members on uh, my mother for that brief moment she was on there. So shout out to Hober and all of the Guyanese people. Um, we did not acknowledge y'all on Jamaican Independence Day, but I hope you also enjoyed your independence. <laughs> Sounds good. 
All right, so let's slide on over into Descendant Discourse, um, which is, as we've already said, the only boy, the only boy, the middle child who had so much life. So um, <laughs> while I am older than Nathaniel and Nathaniel is older than all of his siblings, uh, Gavin is the oldest grandson. So, yeah, never thought about that way, I guess, yeah. Yeah, like him and my sister, they they uh, started this whole thing. They had to <laughs> break in all of the parents and the aunties and uncles to really prepare them for the rest of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how would you describe your young experience, especially living in England? We're all, the rest of us are all American-born children. Well, first off, it's it's first off I'll say it's weird because I'm the middle child, but I was also the baby for a long time because you yeah. didn't until like almost thirteen years after. Yeah. So I, I think I've had that experience of being like the baby and then like. You're not special anymore. (laughs) Here's Amanda coming in. But that's okay because I was in my, you know, I was going into my teens at that point. Mm -hmm. So you kind of wanted independence probably. A little bit, yeah, yeah. But then also um, our older sister had left. So then I was Mm -hmm. kind of the oldest in the house. Mm Mm-hmm. So you've worn many hats. I've worn many hats within the family. Um, But to get back to your question, which was, how was it being starting off in England? Mm -hmm. Um, England was great. You know, I was there until I was five. It felt like a very safe and... um, I don't want to say, like, magical. <laughs> but it was, like, a really safe and sweet environment to be um, a child in. You know, we had all our family from Jamaica was there. So there was always, like, aunties and uncles. And, yeah, so I really cherished that family. Um, so that time felt really special. And then we kind of uprooted and moved to the States, moved to New York specifically. How old were you when uh, you moved? I think I was like, uh, it was before I turned six. I think it was like, uh, it was like in the spring. So it was in the middle of, this was the messed up part. It was in the middle of me going to school. So like, Uh, uh, I guess the equivalent would be kindergarten. Mm-hmm. So England starts school a year earlier than they do in the States. Mm. So I was just starting school. I was really loving school. And then when we had to move, because we got our green cards in the middle of the school year. So we mm. kind of just had to like uproot and move. So then once I got, once we moved to uh, the Bronx, I was too young to go to school. Oh, wow. So I kind of got shifted out of, like, the stable environment into, like, oh, where where can we place cabin? Yeah. Because the parents had to go work. Um, the older sister was, she was old enough to be in school. 
and I was kind of getting passed around from like babysitter to babysitter. Mm. So it was a little bit um, jarring. Plus, moving from Wolverhampton, which is, I don't know how much you guys have spoken about Wolverhampton and other podcasts. We haven't. Um, we talked about our family being from England, but we haven't talked about Wolves specifically. And I, I think that'd be good for you to share it because I do think a lot of times when people think about England, A, of course, they're going to start with London and the Queen and then maybe some other like very mass populated areas. Um, but Wolverhampton is like, I mean, it's bigger now, but it's, you know, it's like a town. It's a, it's a smaller area. I think it's really only reserved for the people that that know it, that live there. Yeah, and it's always funny because when I say I come from England, no one actually hears you. This was also the funny part of telling people I come from England because they don't hear England. They hear London. Yeah. And it's like, I remember always repeating, oh, yeah, this is this is Gavin. He's from London. I'm like, I'm not from <laughs> London. It's like... It's like if you're coming from America and people are like, oh, you're from New York. I'm like, no, I'm from <laughs> It's two completely different places. <laughs> yeah. And Wolverhampton is like, it's in the Midlands. So it's like in the middle of, uh, kind of like the middle of the country. They call it um, black country because it's coal. It's coal country. And it's basically after World War II when England was devastated by like, the bombing that happened from um, from Germany, they needed they needed people to come and rebuild England. So that's so, like a bit of history that we didn't understand, and kind of would make sense to like how our grandparents ended up over there in in Wolverhampton specifically. There were specific, um, I guess, cities that were welcoming. Immigrants. I wouldn't even say that they're welcoming. They just needed immigrants to to help rebuild. And Wolverhampton was one of them. I think um, Bristol is another major city. Um, I think definitely London. But yeah, so it was a big immigration push to get um, immigrants to come in and help rebuild um, rebuild the, the cities. So that's why the massive migration starting from Jamaica, but then in later years, you have a lot of um, Indians and Pakistanis who came in. So for me, that always felt, England always felt like home. Um, and even though it's in the Midlands, it's, it's a small town, it felt special. So to be there and then get picked up and transplanted to NYC is one of the like biggest cities in the world. <laughs> the biggest city. <laughs> With um, a completely different energy. Yeah. In the middle of the eighties. Like this is early eighties. Granted, you know, the beginning of hip hop, but also crime was at the highest point. Mm. And New York just ain't it ain't Wolverhampton. <laughs> it ain't friendly. Um, so that yeah, was... and I feel I feel like sorry to interrupt you. When people are raising their kids in a major city like New York, they're usually not 
well, I mean, there are a lot of immigrants there, but they kind of have the mindset to say, like, you're going to build yourself up to be prepared to live that kind of lifestyle. I don't think our parents knew what they were getting themselves into, saying they're going to take their, no. their kids to New York. No, they didn't, because, you know, when we first when we first moved uh, to uh, to the Bronx, we were staying with our grandmother at the time who she still had her daughter and son living at the house. Who's so, Daniel's father. <laughs> Daniel's father. Um, so there was a bunch of us in like a three-story brownstone, but the first floor I think was being rented. So it was just a lot of people in the house. And after, I don't even know the duration of time, but it just wasn't working out to the point where my parents had to move out. So they're moving out and having to find somewhere to live. They're able to find a house in Queens. And I think they picked the location of the house because it was close to where my mom was working. Mm -hmm. Not close to a train station. (laughs) In the middle of Queens. So, and, and they're not thinking like, oh... You know, it might be good to get, you know, to, like, really think of a location that's central. It's just, like, they just needed something quick. When when my mom has talked to me about that, she was specifically, I think Dad used to work in, like, Jersey a lot. Yeah. That time, so he was never going to be fully accessible at certain times. So she she didn't think of it in terms of the subway, but she did think of it close to where she worked because in the afternoon she would, like, cook dinner or get dinner together, something like that, make sure you guys were good. Yeah. And so, um, like, that was, like, her lunch break. Yeah. Thing. And then um, until she came home and, and Dad came home. Yeah, and Dad was working... I don't think he was working, like, a late night because he was working in Jersey. So from Queens to Jersey must have been, like, at least a two-hour if not more commute. I remember as a kid, when I was coming home from school at three, he was probably just getting home. And I remember making him like cups of tea and bringing them up, like walking them up the stairs and it's like filled to the brim. I'm trying not to spill it. And he's just then going to bed. So it was very disorientating because granted mom got a house close to a job so she could make sure to, like, have meals ready for us. But coming from England, where it's, like, it was really stable, parents picked us up from school, we had time with them after school, to being in New York, and and it's, like, I'm not seeing them. Mm -hmm. I'm not seeing parents, because dad's working, like, late nights and traveling. Mom's working constantly. Um, So it was just, it was basically me and older sister can i say her name um i would say no for now (laughs) for me and the older sister um not fending for ourselves but it was you know it was kind of independence forced independence and so that's like create really interesting dynamics between me and the older sister because at that point she was kind of like a parent mm. and you know me being the younger brother i'm just like not about that 
<laughs> Especially it's like 80s, there's only one TV in the house and she don't want to watch cartoons and I want to watch cartoons when I come back. So there's yeah. just like unnecessary like micro hostilities <laughs> between us. And there's like a six, almost like a six year difference between me and my sis- older sister. So it just made for like a stressful, you know, stressful situation. So do you think that is what led um, with you ultimately going back to England for a bit? Um, well, the reason I ended up going back to England. So moved to the States when I was six. Um, we were living in Queens. I went to elementary school. The school wasn't that great. There was some violence that happened. It just just wasn't a great school. And at a certain point, I just stopped going. To school? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. I just was like hooky, playing hooky constantly. And it wasn't until... Um, our God, my godfather, who had also come from England, like a couple of years on, was staying with us for a while to get himself settled, so to see if he could like find work and possibly move over. He came home from work early one day and saw me in the house, and he's like, "What you doing here? It's the school day, right?" And I can't remember what I said, but that was like the beginnings of of me you know, playing hooky was discovered. So knowing our family, did they ask you what was going on in school that would make you play hooky or what is it just immediately beatings, beatings, beatings? Um, I honestly can't remember. I think they, I'm pretty sure they asked me. And the reason I think they I, I think the reason why they wanted to um, get down to like the actual reason why I wasn't going to school is because um, I think the year before, uh, one of my favorite aunties from England had come up to visit us, and it was right around the time I was graduating from, I guess, elementary to middle school. Mm-hmm. And she had went to the um, graduation ceremony. I don't know if she had gone to any of my classes, but come, I came to find out later on that she had told my mom, like, hey, this isn't a good school that, mm. that Gavin's going to. I don't think my parents realized this because they were constantly working, so they weren't really able to, like, check in and see what the condition of the school is. It's just like, hey, it's a public school. You got somewhere to go. Go there and do your lesson. My older sister was able to, I think because she had a lot more years in England within that school system, she was able to like get a better early footing Mm. so that once she came over to the States, it's like, I think she even might have skipped a grade. I can't remember for sure, but I think I think she was so far ahead that they either either she skipped a grade or they put her in like honors classes. Oh, okay. Me having started at kindergarten in England and then coming here, missing like 
six months of school because I was too young to get in over here. And then going into school and just being like an outsider, I always felt like an outsider at school because I talked weird. Um, I probably acted weird. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I always felt like I didn't belong. Um, so once once it was discovered and then they asked me, like, why, I'm, why am I not going and everything else, and it was like, okay, we need to find a solution that works. And my aunt at the time, I think she said this the year before, she was like, why don't you just send Gavin back to England and he can live with us and go to school? So that's what ended up happening. They asked me if I wanted to go back. I was like, of course I want to go back. <laughs> <laughs> and went back for like, I think it was like a year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. When you and went that, back, you were in London then though, right? That's no, it was in uh, Essex. Essex, okay. Romford, Romford, Essex. And that was great it was it was it was hard but it felt it was hard i was in my i think i was like 11 going 12 so i'm just starting to hit puberty um i always wanted to go back to england but then at the same time i was dealing with like abandonment issues like oh they sent me back does that mean they don't love me? It was a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. And um, I think that was a really fundamental time for me, but it it also created a lot of conflict between um, with me and my parents and then just myself trying to figure out who the hell am I. Yeah. Um, and I'd also... I did not know I was dyslexic at the time, but I was also not doing well in school. Like, I loved being back there. And um, my aunt I was living with, um, my aunt and uncle gave me, like, a lot of freedom, so really loving. But then when that first school report came in and it was like, oh, you're failing everything. <laughs> and then they're like, all right, we got to cut that back. So... Um, first six months were great. I mean, the second six months were, like, really hard. Um, and then at that time, um, got a phone call from our mother um, to say that, oh, we're expecting you. <laughs> so, then I, so then I was a little bit torn of, like, okay, well, do I want to stay? Do I want to go back? Because I always wanted, like, a little brother or sister. But I wanted one when I was younger, and now I'm, like, almost 12, and it's, like, but I still... Almost 13. Almost 13, so it's, yeah. like... So it was just, like, a lot of... Um, There's just a lot of shifting in my youth. Yeah. Well, I will say um, I appreciated that you came back. I, don't, I appreciate that now. At the time, I didn't know any different. <laughs> Because I was a baby and then I was just a kid. But um, that shift that you were talking about and the dynamic that you had with our older sister um, being more of the constant because the parents were working all the time, I had a very similar shift with us moving to Atlanta, literally around the same time of five going on six. 
And even though you and mom weren't there for the first couple of years, it was like, I knew you guys were coming and you were always like around for me as like my older sibling. Oh, okay. That's good. I didn't think I was around as much as I should have been. But I mean, the fact that you were in Atlanta, um, you did, uh, I mean, both of you guys served as like extra parents, but like you would give me like a dollar if I had good grades or something like you would check in for certain stuff. So it was yeah. like a, a level of consistency that even though I didn't grow up with my siblings doing like everyday sibling things, I always knew where my brother was and he was accessible. Um, and I had you and, and of course our other cousin that also lived in Atlanta. Yeah. I think that was, I think that was good because that cousin was really stabilizing can we say Big L? Yeah, we'll call her Big L. <laughs> Big L was, was uh, I think Big L was, so Big L is my, is our cousin, my mother's brother, brother's child. Yeah. So you know how our, our family all went to Jamaica last two months ago. Um, it was her parents' anniversary. Okay. If you've listened, if you've been listening to all the episodes, you know this. If you haven't, then you need to go back. I'm <laughs> in But yeah, Big L has always been. I think Big L's been great because they are the one, <laughs> not the only, but within the family structure, the most stable, the most driven to like. I wouldn't say to succeed, but just like stability knows what they want and kind of like goes after it. Yeah, sometimes it's like in the house. Yeah, the rest of us have like an idea of what we want to accomplish, but maybe don't always have I don't want to say the drive, but the steadfastness. Like they're going to figure out to make the way. Sometimes it's like, this isn't working out. Let me try something different. I'm not sure what it is about their experience and her experience but she she found a way to make a way even when she was unsure about some things it was like we're gonna do this and we're gonna we're gonna figure it out while we're in it yeah yeah but back to you i transitioned a little bit but um yeah i just wanted to acknowledge that like in you coming back from england um essentially like because of my life it it definitely threaded my life in a lot of things and um you've been another constant for me so besides just like having our parents um there were a lot of things that were happening in that time as well our family's good for a lot of transitions <laughs> the most stable situation. a lot of things happen um, around it's the time I was <laughs> it's weird because um, I kind of I like stability <laughs> I've always liked a degree of stability and they were not about that <laughs> they moved from like Jamaica to England when they were in their teens when they're in their 20s with like two kids they moved from England to New York then they get another kid, and then they move from New York to to Atlanta. I'm just like, why are y'all moving so much? Just like, <laughs> stay, at one, 
they've won place. And I'm, you know, I constantly think about that. I know we've had discussions as siblings, like what it would have been like if we would have just stayed in England, mm-hmm. as opposed to like moving to the States. And, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and we can, like, debate certain situations and, like, was that a good decision or not? Um, I also have to remember they were, like, really young when they did when they did this, when they had kids, when they moved from Jamaica to England. Um, and now as, like, someone in their 40s, I can be like, oh, well, they shouldn't have done X, Y, and Z. But I'm like, they were young. They were really young. And I couldn't think about having two kids moving to New York and trying to find, like, with limited funds, trying to find a job and, like, take care of two kids. I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't want to do that now. Yeah. And they did it when they were in their, like, mid-20s. Yeah. So I try to keep remembering that whenever they annoy me. <laughs> I think that moving to a country, you know, new country and settling down, you know, even people that move, do that to learn new languages is, is crazy. But, you know, with, with the kids and everything, it does take a certain level of courage to be able to yeah. do that. Or ins- insanity, one of the two. Um, one of the two. <laughs> and it's weird because my dad went on trips beforehand to, like, do, like, some scouting. Mm-hmm. So he went to New York... I think he went to Toronto. He might have gone to Boston. Mm. And just like, oh, we could have been in Toronto. If we would have been in Toronto. I think life would have been so different if we were in Toronto. It would have been so different. I don't think we would have had, well, maybe we still would have had to move south because the reason we moved south was a different situation. But What was the, no, because it was the school systems, right? No, it's because dad was sick. And he needed I don't think he would have gotten sick if he was in Toronto. That's true. That's I don't think true. He might not have gotten to the sick. line of work. Uh, uh, because he got into metal work because he needed a job. That's not like what he went to school for. He went to school for engineering. Yeah. yeah. He wasn't going to get into engineering in New York City in the 70s, especially with, like, it was hard for him to get into it in the UK. Like, he had to battle um, racist professors and everything else. So it's like, he might have been able to get into a better career in Toronto. But in New York, it was just like, he needed to find a job. So that's why he got into metalwork. Yeah. And he's working on the bridges, which were awful. Yeah. Awful work. So, I don't know. I don't think, I think our life could have been drastically different depending on, you know, if we would have been in Toronto or if we would have stayed in the UK. Yeah. Even I don't if know just, if I would have been here if we stayed in the UK, if you guys had stayed in the UK. Most likely not. It would have been another version of you. <laughs> Multiverse. Multiverse. <laughs> So going back to, okay, now you are a 12, about to be 13 year old. You've been the baby for so long and now you're about to be the middle child and you find out you're having a sister. So now are you, you're not only the middle child, you're the only son. 
Yes. What was that experience for you being the only son in our family? I make jokes about certain things, but I know that um, your experience with dad probably wasn't as fun as I like to joke about with certain aspects. Um, it's not so much like I felt like the only son, like it was like, oh my goodness, I'm surrounded by all these women. <laughs> because in our family, you're constantly surrounded by women, right? You have the aunties. Um, my dad's sisters were always like still prominent in our life. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of strong women in our family anyway. Like grandma is a huge influence over the whole family. Mm-hmm. So I don't even think it was that big of a deal of like me being the only child. And also our older sister, D. Right around that time, like, you were born, but then I think it was a couple of years later when she got kicked out the house. So it, so that just shifted everything, too, because it was, I think that was more of a pivotal moment than, like, being the only child, or being the only boy. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think more responsibility fell on me at that point, but then also it's like, the family unit felt broken. Mm-hmm. And so it was more so like, okay, how are we adapting to that? And then me finding out that I'm dyslexic and then trying to figure out school and stuff like that. So it was it like the only, the only being the only boy didn't feel as important as just like, surviving high school <laughs> and like all these family shifts like it's con- you know there's constant like shifting of the family um of a family unit and what that looks like so that kind of became its own norm in a way mm-hmm. um, in some ways i think you being there was a was a little bit of a breath of fresh air um you became the focus in this way that I felt helped bring the family unit together. Mm-hmm. And then I, I think that also allowed me to like kind of go through that isolation period of just being like a teen and just being in my own world. But being the only boy, I'm like, I think the thing was I was a little bit of an annoying brother. Yeah, you sat on my head. (laughs) When we were still in New York, I was young. (laughs) I don't remember that, but I'm not saying it didn't happen. I remember because it was my head. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you did. Um... Yeah, I just remember, like, family dynamics were always a little weird. Like, with my dad's sister, there was, like, always, like, weird dynamics between me and my aunt, my um, the aunt that lives here. Um, so, I don't know. It was, um, I don't know if I have a good answer for that. 
um, Amanda. Yeah. I mean, to recategorize it, because as I said before, you were a constant. So you, you had that, you had balance of sitting on my head and then also <laughs> feeding me or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> taking care of me. Um, and sometimes I know, especially it would be like difficult for me to really, I never knew all of the aspects of what was going on when we lived in New York. I didn't have any understanding of like why our older sister wasn't there or even things with like our aunt. Like I, I would see things, but I didn't have the mind to process it. I left when I was five. So a lot of things didn't, um, make sense to me as as what they really were but for you being like a teenager like going through your own transitions of figuring out who you want to be your body changing whatever and then you're seeing all of these changes in your everyday life trying to become an adult to figure out like what do you want to do and like you said you don't have uh you're not you didn't grow up in a family with a history of stability to then figure out, okay, well, how do I create a stable plan for myself? <laughs> because then as soon as, as you turn 18 and graduate, the family's like, all right, well, we're going to move again. Do you want to go? Even before that, dad had told me, because once I came back from England, um, they knew not to put me in public schools. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so we found like, a small private school to send me to, which I think was beneficial. So did that. And then after that, going into high school, did Catholic school. So I got a little bit more um, stability from that school system. I think that also helped you because they knew not to put you in the public school and you went to that. um, Yeah, I went to that private school for kindergarten. um, I learned to play chess. Didn't remember after that too much, but I, I did we, learn to play chess. I think we were already teaching you how to play chess because we, we used to play chess in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, dad, after graduating high school, he told me straight out, he's like, I ain't paying for you to go to college. So, mm. and he told me, he's like, I don't think you should go to college. So I was like, okay. Um, That's so crazy knowing either they did pay for our sister they essentially you know helped pay for me that they didn't extend that same offer opportunity to you well i think because d had gone and uh finished mm. uh and our father is just stubborn like um if you really? listen to this you probably know <laughs> so D went, she didn't finish. I was already having like school issues. So he just made it clear. He's like, I'm not paying for you. Plus, Amanda is still to come. So with that knowledge, I'm just like, okay, right after graduating out of high school, I knew I, I couldn't go straight into college because I couldn't afford to go into college. I didn't want to take on that debt. Um, so it was like, all right, let me find a job. I did some, uh, community college cause my really good friend went to a uh, community college in Long Island. So I was like, okay, let me work a little bit, save some money and then see if I can go that route. 
did that, then you guys moved to Atlanta. So I'm like, and I was looking at schools in Atlanta at that time because I think I had applied to Morehouse or Clark. I think I'd gotten into, I knew I got into Clark. I don't know if I got into Morehouse. I think, yeah, I think it was Clark because I saw the paperwork recently and I thought it was our sister, but it was, no, it was me. I, I don't, I actually think I didn't apply to Morehouse because coming from an old boys Catholic school, I was like, I don't want to do that again. Mm. So, and not really knowing the history of Morehouse, in hindsight, I, I would probably apply. But I think just coming from that Catholic school mentality, I was like, I don't know if I want to go through that again. Because it was, yeah. there were some aspects of that, which I'm like, I don't want to relive. Um, so, yeah, so then I moved to Atlanta. I could have possibly, I don't know if I could have stayed in New York. Because uh, I didn't really have... If they would have kept the house there, I probably would have stayed there and tried to work and go to school. But the fact that they sold the house, it was like, what am I going to do? <laughs> but then, you know, moved down to Atlanta. Do you feel like... Because you've been in Atlanta now for... Literally, we said, like, Atlanta's the most stable place that any of us have lived, um, including the parents. It's the place that everyone's lived the longest. Um, those of us that are here. So do you feel like you're happy being in Atlanta? Like this is a, it's it's got a little bit of the fast-pacedness, but it's not really as hectic as being in New York. Is this a place that you feel like good about or is it still like you'd prefer being maybe in one of the other places you lived? Um. I'm torn about Atlanta. Um, I have been here the longest. I know a lot of people in this city. I put a lot of energy into this city. Um, in some ways, it still doesn't feel like home. In, in, in ways, the only place that truly feels like home is the UK. But then I've also been gone so long that it's, it's not. Mm-hmm. So... I still threaten to leave Atlanta constantly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if I stay here because of the stability, but sometimes it just doesn't feel stable. Um, right, because our parents are still our parents by nature. Yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't matter if it's like, it's not the home. <laughs> At first, I was like, oh, it's the home that makes it stable. It's like, no. Um, we're just, uh, our dynamics are just unstable. I think they've been unstable since we left England. I think since we left that um, stable, like, family community, I realize how important that is um, for us. And I don't think we've really been able to recreate that. Mm. We, didn't, we didn't quite have that in New York. I think they had their friends which moved from England to New York and there was stability there for them. But family-wise, I don't think we've had that since since England. Mm. I have 
friend groups here, which I love and they're awesome. But then also as you're getting older, you get pulled away from those friend groups because they start having kids and it's just not as much time. Mm-hmm. So, so place becomes really important. And there's things about Atlanta that I love. There's also things I don't like. And it's like, I don't know if it's, uh, if, if that means it's, it's time to leave and go elsewhere. I, you know, I think that's, that's the thing about wherever you are is like, there's always going to be pros and cons, um, where you live. And I think that, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side. Um, I wish I really, I really wish I could just travel and figure out what exactly, how green the grass is. <laughs> um, maybe I still will, but you know. With me settling down a little bit, I don't know if I'll actually fully get the opportunity, but. I think it's also knowing what you want out of life. Yeah. Uh, Because I think that it challenges you to get out of your comfort zone and to live in different cities. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also helps you to define your own identity because if your identity is if part of your identity has been created around that family unit, once you've left that and you're on your own, yeah, that can shift, right? Like mm-hmm. the things, not just your habits, but how you see yourself, how other people see you. If you want to reinvent yourself, it's easier to do that if you're in a different city. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like just those norms that you follow in certain cities, um, Atlanta is a very easy city to, it's, it's shifting a little bit, but still an affordable city to live. And it's, you don't necessarily have to push yourself. You can, there's a certain degree of comfortableness you can get living in Atlanta, which isn't always a good thing. Sometimes you need to be challenged. Um, be challenged, yes, but but like you said, having um, uh, the stability or at least just like a cushion so that when you do try to make leaps and jumps, you know that you'll land somewhat safely. <laughs> it gives you a little bit more comfort sometimes to jump. I guess, I guess there'd be two options to jump, like jump because there's nothing left for me here or jump to see like, you know, how far you can fly, but know that you'll be okay if you fall. Um yeah, I, I think you can still get that even if you go to a different city because what is that stability? Where does that where, where is that for you? Like it could be you go elsewhere, you struggle, but then if you need a little bit of stability, then you can come home to like where your parents are and like, all right, yeah. let me just like chill here for like a week or a month or like get myself back together and then like launch out. Mm-hmm. Atlanta feels very... It's like I said, it's shifting because um, it is becoming a little bit more of an expensive city. But overall, it's not it's not that expensive if you're comparing it with like New York, L.A., Chicago. It's still a, a pretty cheap, affordable. I wouldn't say cheap anymore, but affordable city. <laughs> um, kind of depends what you want out of life. Um, I think for myself, not really. Like, on some levels, I think we had a very stable um, childhood. It wasn't like we went without food. Mm -hmm. You know, there was always 
food on the table. We always had a place to like uh, rest our heads and sleep. You know, we had we had those basics covered. Um, Even I think, having our two parents, yeah, something all three of us have where it's like, as like you said, as annoying as they can be, there there was a mom, there was a dad, they were there every day. They were there for the most part. I think their work schedules were, it was hard to see them, at least when I was growing up. Yeah, you, you, we I think I probably had the most of dad. Huh? I said, I think I probably had the most of dad. Like, he oh, was you always at home. <laughs> you had by far the most of dad. But then you also had dad in a diminished state because he's recovering from being sick i think uh me and d our older sister had different parents than what you had mm-hmm. we said that all the time um they were yeah they're just different people they're just different they had a lot more energy drive they hadn't been broken down from living in this country this country will like it grates on you. It's like it's like a cheese grater just like taking off layers. Yeah. So I think you I think the parents that you have plus you I think the parents you have are, are they're just different. And I feel for you the fact that you miss them not in their prime, but when they were still had vibrancy. Um I also think once they became saved they their personalities shifted greatly. Um, and it took me and D a long time to adjust to who these new human beings were. Because for years me and D were like, these are not our parents. Like that's how drastic it was. It was just like, I don't recognize these people. So I think that was like more destabilizing. Um than anything else <laughs> was that shift. Like, being my only boy is like, that's fine. I don't care. Um, I think that's actually beneficial. Um, but like, <laughs> I do, too. <laughs> I've become, I think all my female friends, I, I feel I'm a lot more attentive. I'm a lot more aware. I can still be better, but I'm more aware of, like, Average dynamics, like different social dynamics. Um, I know how to, I have more female friends than male friends. I have deeper relationships with my female friends. Mm -hmm. That's because of not just having two sisters, but being more in a a, a strong female dominated household Mm -hmm. Um, or community. I wouldn't say household because dad is still very, prominent um he makes his presence now yeah unfortunately um but then also like that dynamic of having such a having a father with such a strong personality i'm very quiet Mm. because i don't want to do that i don't want to be not so much gregarious, but just this, like, overwhelming, like, presence. Because I know how unnecessary that is. Like, to have um, 
like that male energy that's just taking up the whole space. I'm like, why? Just mm-hmm. like, chill, you don't have to do that. So I think those two things have really shifted like how I am amongst my friend group or in the world. I'm just like, I think I am like, I have a presence, mm-hmm. but I don't have to have a dominant presence. That's not needed. I'm glad that you kind of expressed that because I was going to ask you like how you would describe yourself as a person and in the family dynamic. And I feel like you naturally did that anyway. You just kind of like expressed your experience. Um, I'm not totally sure how I am in the family dynamic. I think in the family dynamic, I might be the black sheep. Um... Like, within my community, I feel I'm different in my community than how I am in the family. Mm. In the family, I'm either the black sheep, I'm just not there sometimes. Because <laughs> I just don't want to deal. I might have certain things I just don't want to, like... I remember from, like, even when, I, even when we were still in New York, there were times when you and mom would go to Florida to see the family for uh, for Christmas and stuff. And I'm like, mm, I think I'm just going to stay up here. Not realizing that that would just become a default. Mm. And I didn't plan it to be like, oh, I'm just going to be like, I'm going to isolate myself. But I didn't realize that. But I'm just like, oh, that was a choice. And it was a choice because... Either I don't want to have to deal with grandma or I don't want to have to deal with Nathaniel's dad, Nathaniel's mom talking about my hair. (laughs) 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 I don't want to to deal. I don't want to deal. When your hair was red, you've gone through a few hairstyles. Um, I don't know if it was the red stuff or if it was definitely once the locks came in, I'm just like, I don't want to constantly have the same conversation about when am I going to cut off my locks? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to cut off my locks. And I probably would have cut off my locks sooner. I still have my locks, by the way. Um, <laughs> but just the main fact that I'm like, you're constantly asking me the same thing. They're going to be here forever now because you won't drop this thing. <laughs> You won't drop it. Um, it's just like, I don't want to deal. And I'm not going to argue because I'm just like, mm-hmm. that's what's the point? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's been like a shift in energy because I don't have that same energy to like the family in England. It's just different. It's it's always love. It's always just like, oh my God, I can't believe I haven't seen you in forever. I'm still distant, but it feels different than sometimes here where it's just like unnecessarily like pokey. Mm. And, but I also think that's just part of the American family dynamic. I don't know if that's more so like because we're in America and you have to have a little tougher skin, so they're trying to, like, toughen you up by poking you, or if it's just that part of the family is that way. 
And yeah. I'm, I'm just not. I think when I was younger, I was probably more sensitive. And as I'm older, I'm just more aloof. I'm just like, no, I deal. <laughs> I think that's because because of our experiences that we've built that toughness, but also separation to say like, oh, you know how when I don't have to hear this, when I'm not by you, so I just don't have to be around, <laughs> and then I won't have to hear it. Um, because yeah, I, I I definitely think again, you being the oldest grandson, you being um a unique person, you got the first of the poker. Um, I'm sure D got her own level of poking, but you guys got the first of the pokes. And so then for the rest of us getting the pokes too, maybe it felt normal. We didn't have anything else to compare it to. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't have the England experience, but then it was just like, okay. Um, Because I get it too. Like when I visited grandma this year, um, comments about my body and I'm just like, okay, well, do you want to eat? Like, <laughs> like yeah. what, what are we going to do now? <laughs> I think that, you know, the older, we'll just say like our parents, but parents included, the older family members are like, oh my, this is how you are when you're a child and you grow up and they have the idea of how they're, you're going to grow up. And then when that doesn't happen, it's like, well, you know, there's still time for you to get into that, that picturesque thing. And then, you know, I'm kind of dealing with that now still with my parents so yeah I'm always telling my parents this is the person you raised because like you said they mm. think there's still time to mold us and it's like yeah. literally all of us are adults now this <laughs> grandchild is over 21 there's not going to be any more shifting yeah yeah no yeah these are the humans that we've become yeah and it's like they did have high hopes, you know. My dad wanted me to be a soccer player or something like that. Oh, like, I'm like, it's hard to, like, deviate from these, like, expectations that your parents have, have yeah. of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, when they're constantly bringing it up, it's almost like you're a failure if you haven't hit those expectations. Yeah. And I know they don't mean it like that, but um, unless they specifically say it, but you know, it's it's it is daunting. It does feel like wow, like you know, I didn't live up to your expectations, and or like, hey, I failed you, or I failed myself, or whatever the case may be. And that, that's not the case. It's just that you know, we live our lives how you know we're adults, like uh, Mandy said, and you know, we live our lives how we see fit, and this is the lives that we have. And we're just trying to, you know, figure it out just as you were trying to figure it out when you're our age. And I think yeah. that they kind of, I think we all do. We all forget how it is when we were younger. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think all of us are doing great. None of us have been to prison, you know? I, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think we all deserve pats on the back. Yeah. This has been. That's a little bit of a low bar. I don't think it's a low bar. <laughs> I, I think that in a lot of family dynamics, there's always like, oh, well, that one cousin or that one uncle that has like, you know, like problems with with substances. That's or true. Yeah. Going to jail or whatever. We don't have that in our family. We don't, don't have someone that's just like 
There goes crazy Uncle Mike. Yeah. I'm like, I think we're all doing pretty good. Yeah. I mean, when the worst of it is like, you know, our fathers talk too much. I think that's that's a pretty good bar. You know? Mm. I think to them it's like they don't have... I mean, technically D did get her degree eventually, but for us it's like, oh, they don't have the college degrees. I'm like, yeah, but we're all fine like we all have the ability to make money um our health is pretty good like i I think we're doing good like the end all be all isn't the debt i mean isn't the degree sorry because i associate that with debt now Uh and uh you don't have that (laughs) in a better off position in my opinion all of that rigmarole we're still you know in a very similar um boat uh, I think this was such a good conversation. We're going to have to do a part two. I very much appreciate you coming on the podcast, brother, and being very open about your experience. We we only delved like halfway through, I think. We'll, 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 do, a, we'll do another one. Good. I don't know if we'll have you come back before we get some of the other cousins, but we'll see. We'll try and coordinate some things. Okay. Any last things you might want to share with our audience? Um, I can't think of any now. We're going to do a part two, so we'll, we'll, leave, them, we'll leave them hanging. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. All right, what about you, cousin? Anything you want to share before we sign off? Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> sign off, music. I thought I'd put everything on silent, but I forgot the alarm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. All right. So, if you want to find more of our different... Uh, episodes you can go to wherever you stream for podcasts google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, spotify all of that good stuff you can also send us your comments on how you think this episode went at cuzzo combos on instagram and twitter you can also send us questions comments and concerns at cuzzo combos at gmail.com this ends cuzzo combos we thank you for joining our family and we'll see you next time you're